chapter seven, when does your body become yours? Around the closure of middle school and with the start of my body's natural entrance into puberty, due to this incredibly natural concept called aging, I began experimenting sexually with my peers, which is, yet again, normal. By that, what I really mean is I made out with a guy once in the summer after 8th grade, but maybe if I was lucky I went to a sleepover with an incredibly basic version of Spin the Bottle. And by basic, I mean they blew me away as risque at the time. And really, we weren't even using tongue yet. I had quit gymnastics, opting to pursue soccer, track, and football in high school, as well as my elite equestrian career. I went from 4'11 to 5'7 over a short 12-month span, joined a travel soccer team with little to no prior experience, and moved from my POA pony, Sandy, to my Palomino horse, Wildfire, as the fences surpassed three foot in my eventing competitions. I was leveling up in so many ways, but for the first time in my life, men, boys, were actually starting to take recognition of me. No longer was I the shy, quiet nerd in class. I was the shy, quiet nerd that my male teenage peers wanted to fuck. However, according to my incredibly overbearing father, I wasn't allowed to date. I could have absolutely no social media of any kind. I must get his permission for everything. Hopefully, we will have made some progress by the time my friend's children are of adolescent age, but all that set up was some premonition in my mind that I was his to give away once he judged someone worthy. My body, but particularly sexual expression, was controlled by others and outside of my own control. An idea I still angrily reject that makes me not unable to even fathom getting married because the archaic thought that someone might have the audacity to either ask my estranged father for my hand in marriage or that I would need anyone to accompany me down the aisle as if it is not the stare-inducing catwalk in whatever form-fitting gown I inevitably squeeze myself into that I've daydreamed of performing on my entire life. I had exactly two discussions on sexual education with my parents, or rather, my mother. The first, when my fifth grade class separated the boys and girls one day at the end of the year. After first getting our parents to sign a permission slip for us to discuss the birds and the bees. The second, when I finally approached my mom about getting on birth control for my first real boyfriend, even though I had already been having sex for months prior to that. Looking back, it really makes me question why Christianity-influenced sexual education is allowed to perpetuate in public schools at all, or our government for that matter, and how the way I was taught as a woman to view my body was ever viewed as healthy. At least it wasn't the abstinence-only bullshit some places still desperately cling to, but damn it, do we need to make some more progress. Sex and the female body just wasn't a topic of discussion. I wasn't even allowed any of the fancy magazines because Cosmopolitan was trash and full of made-up tips, which, like, is, is questionable. Not only that, but I shouldn't even touch myself. The blasphemous vitriol encompassing soiling my body with my own touch was unbearable. 
I had to hide my feminine products behind carefully placed larger items on the conveyor belt while checking out at a store, tucked away discreetly on the shelves within my own private bathroom, zipped within the pocket of the purse I carried to and from the restroom, terrified of the moment someone might realize exactly what they were. I understood the very basics of what I was physically going through, but I had no idea if what it was was normal. I just wasn't sure if the like things I was feeling were normal because I was never actually taught why hormones were important for women to understand. Thanks to sports, other than the height jump, I really didn't have physical changes <laughs> that necessitated any additional discussions. All of these small things added up to make me feel ashamed of being a woman. I was too ashamed to even learn about my body, or on my own either, reliant on the hands, mouth, or penises of whatever males caught my attention over the years to be able to anticipate what my body needed better than myself. Never mind where to even start with self-educating. Am I even allowed to Google terms like that? What if my father looked up the search history and I got grounded? And what did it mean to someone who wasn't particularly religious any longer, contemplating atheism versus Baha'ism versus being agnostic, to question their purity or lack thereof for their next partner? We don't want to be faced with the reality of paying for our teenage daughter's choice of vibrator, but we're somehow okay with consoling them after their adolescent heartbreak also ends in slut-shaming for succumbing to the basic biology flooding their endocrine system. I guarantee you, if they're getting themselves off, if they actually viewed sexuality as more enlightening rather than a sin, if they like know how good their body was supposed to feel then they'd have a lot less interest in a boy who doesn't share those thoughts. And I get it. No parent wants their child to become sexually active. They seem so small, so innocent, so naive, and all you want to do is protect them from the horrors of the reality of the world. But part of creating such a historically, militaristically superior country, such that all international trauma occurs outside of our geographical boundaries and we therefore feel safe from it or even encourage, as long as it makes our personal lives a little more cushiony and we remain naive to the purpose behind the maneuvers, and living in a developed nation where technology is meant to replace a large portion of the working class so we collectively as a country may actually enjoy being human, we are supposed to have the time, stability, and ability to educate ourselves and improve upon our past behaviors so that the world, or at least our country, local communities, and friendships are more enjoyable. Is it really a surprise that a country built on white, conservative, Christian, patriarchal values and so resistant to change to the reality of the nation around them would also have a generation of women whose days as a youth were filled with the values of independence, being whoever you wanted, traveling wherever you wanted in the world, but weren't expected to resist against the numerous legal restrictions over autonomy for our own bodies or that we won't question the law and subsequently the behavior or ideology that facilitated and created a culture that thought viewing women in this way was the most appropriate or that 
I'm supposed to listen to a religious culture whose own willingness to forgive and look the other way has damaged hundreds of thousands of children throughout history, yet still grasp to this fallacy that believing in it somehow pushes you above others in the ranking of the world. I don't even want to hear from the not all Christianity people because the reality of religion, particularly globally, is it has many more implications than just moral or ethical peace of mind. And being a Christian doesn't make you a bad person. That isn't what I'm getting at, nor do I think that in the least. There are plenty of decent Christians, but it is also important or it is also impossible to ignore the globally historical context of Christianity's influence over female rights. Again, largely because it has been most the most common among patriarchal societies such that the two ideas generally go hand in hand in an interwoven confusion. And from a more generalized perspective, latent functions of religion are consistently, decade after decade, country after country, global movement after global movement, used to ostracize minorities, spread hatred, and in my country, the USA, to stigmatize humanity in such a way that we are terrified of the reality of what it means to be human and look for some hope to follow when the bounds of our knowledge fail. Not to mention the spread of disease and exploitation of land in the name of missionary goals that has just wiped through populations such that the Trail of Tears is essentially America's Holocaust and society wants to look the other way or skim over it in U.S. history. And that isn't an insult to the Holocaust either. That's a testament that the USA has committed horrific crimes against marginalized people on the same land we now govern. And we can't really look the other way and say we were always doing those things for the greater good because it's necessary to specify whose greater good, which is usually our white European ancestry. Those decisions made based on that very same Christian mindset and ideology were her horrible inexcusable and still affect the lives of the descendants today because the average person only makes roughly 10% more money than their parents. So what if you don't know who your parents are? What if you come from a single family home? How do you escape cycles of poverty when doing so is choosing between the safety and security of your family and emotional love of like-minded people if you were lucky enough to grow up in a community like that? with a circle of peers who had the literary resources, the representation of historical figures, the financial security that you lacked. And how do you do that when those who were responsible have washed their hands of it, prayed for forgiveness, done 10 Hail Marys or whatever, and believe that just because they wouldn't outwardly do or say anything in person, that it must not actually happen, that it was propaganda, a leftist lie, bad editing, even though the evidence that lands, that land, lives, and money are being moved around like pieces on the chessboard in Harry Potter are right in front of you, publicly available data. Or that you're lucky if, like Ron, Harry, and Hermione in The Sorcerer's Stone, you got to make your own choice of movement and weren't just a pawn under the guise of someone else's direction. My purpose of this is truly not to condemn Christianity. It's just important to be honest during reflection and acknowledge that identifying your belief system as the right one will inevitably create an environment where those less educated 
or Mort by power, utilize that concept to establish dominance over others. If there is a right one, then surely logic points at others as wrong. Sure, that's the way the world works and religion has persisted, or at least been prioritized and preserved, throughout civilization after civilization, but that's just one of the reasons why I'm not religious. And you're not all Christians' comments that I know some of you mentally screamed just serves to protect your own public interest because you individually try to be a decent Christian and you either worry your own behavior or identity will be used against you as an insult, much like the characteristics of minorities' identities have been used insultingly against them by Christianity for the record, or you would rather live in blissful ignorance because the thought of it happening in your own little bubble of a Christian community is too terrifying of a concept. This sermon wasn't for you. Not all of us get that choice. And most importantly, not all of us grow up and can remain happy in those environments. So the premise that if you don't like it, leave doesn't really work when it instills generations of unnecessary neglect, abuse, and trauma. The country, community, and household I grew up in and were all white conservative Christian values. I went to a private school the majority of my early life in church every Sunday. My grandfather, my father, a well-revered man within the local community, was admired, revered for his work with special education individuals. My parents were married quickly after college, had three children, a large home, a small farm, family farm. It should have been the American dream. So why couldn't I be happy or move on from it? even years later, when I'm no longer religious, when I no longer live with or even speak to my biological father, 